Let me ask you a question. If you believe in God and consider yourself a Christian, what type of Christian are you? Are you a Christian just by name? Someone who just goes to church, says, I believe in God. Are you a believer? Someone that says, I believe, I believe in the Bible, I believe in Jesus. Or are you a disciple? Today's show is gonna help you know what Jesus wants you to be. Stick around. What do you Welcome to What Do You Believe? I'm your host, Joe Wyrostek. I'm the pastor of a great church called Metro Praise. It's located on Diversity and Long here on the north side of Chicago. My wife and I have started it about three years ago and we're growing and God is doing great things. I've done these videos and placed them on TV so that you as a Christian can learn how to serve God and that those that have questions can come to us and be given solid answers found in the Bible. We call this show, What Do You Believe? Because we want to teach the Bible and then ask you the question, what do you believe? Because you have to have faith in God for it to count and to matter in your life. And today's show is going to be on discipleship. And I want to ask that question again. What type of Christian are you? I asked at the beginning of the show, and I want you to think about it. Are you a type of Christian today that just believes in God? Are you a type of Christian that just goes to church on Christmas and Easter? Are you a Christer? Are you just a believer? You know, there's a lot of people out there that say, I believe in God. They have their Bible in their home, and they say, I believe in the Bible. I believe in Jesus and the cross, and they'll wear it around their necks. Is that all you are? because Jesus wanted you to be so much more. You know, disciple is found over 259 times in the Bible. But you know what the word Christian, it's only found three times. The word believer is found only two times. What do these terms mean? Let me explain them to you. Well, first of all, Christian means to be like Christ. People actually called the first followers of Jesus Christians. They didn't even call themselves Christians. Why did people call them Christians? Because after Jesus left and went to heaven, these guys were living like Jesus. They said, oh, these people remind us of Christ. They called them Christians, Christ-like. The word believer refers to those who believe in God and put their faith and trust in, them, in, in Him. That's only used two times. The rest of the word, uh, the rest of the, the, the term that the Bible uses in all of the New Testament to describe people who follow Jesus is disciple. Jesus wanted us to be disciples. What do you think today is the most important person you can be? Just a follower or a believer or just someone who holds to the Christian doctrines or a disciple, a person who's like Christ? Let me give you the difference. A Christian today in America is someone who just says, man, I believe in God, I go to church. You know, a believer is somebody who just says, yeah, I believe all of these things. But you know what a disciple is? A disciple is someone who lives like Christ, man. They follow God. The word disciple itself means to be a student of a master, to follow a leader. 
See, a disciple means that you follow Jesus. Are you a disciple? Are you a true disciple today? It's not just going to church and just make-believing in God and different things. God wants you to be a disciple. Now, let me say this right at the beginning of the show so I don't get anybody upset. I'm not saying that you have to work your way into salvation, that the better you are, the more of a Christian or more of a disciple you are. I'm not saying that. You're saved by grace. The moment you came to Christ, you accepted him into your life, you are saved that minute. It's that simple. It's a free gift. But what you do after you accept that gift makes all the difference now. If all you do is just say, I am a Christian, I'm a believer in Christ, sure, you may go to heaven, but you're not going to get rewarded when you get to heaven, and you're not going to have the blessings of all eternity uh, in your life because you've done the works of the Lord. And you know, there's a lot of people who may be believers, but they're not even true followers of Christ. And some people, the Bible says, God is going to say, I didn't even know you. And they're going to say, well, I believed in you. And Jesus is going to say, well, even the devil believed in me. That didn't make him a, a disciple, a true follower of me. So I want you to really be careful in this. I don't want you to go to two extremes. One extreme would be able to say, I can just be whatever I want and go to heaven one day. No, that's not true. God has a plan for your life and you need to live according to that plan. And the other extreme is to say, well, I have to be so good to get to heaven and I'm never going to be good enough, so I might as well give up. No. You see, neither one of those is true. What it is, is right in the middle. Christ saves you by his grace, free gift. You receive it through faith. It is good to believe in God. It's good to consider yourself a Christian. But now that you've been given the free gift, you are to live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. You are to follow him. I want you to think about the first thing that Jesus said to Peter. What did he say on that day he found him fishing? He said, Peter, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. That day, Jesus told him his whole plan for Peter's life. Peter, you're going to follow me and you're going to make other, other followers. That's what you're going to do, Peter. You're going to be a disciple that makes disciples. So I want to show you some scriptures today that talk about this. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. What's going on here is Jesus is saying, I'm going to start a church. I'm going to build a church. That's going to be Christ's biggest plan here on this earth while he was here after salvation and dying on the cross. He's going to build a church. Why? Because he wants that plan of salvation to be spread to the whole world. So Jesus has this plan of building a church. And a church is not a building. We call it a church because the people meet there. But really, what is church? Church is people who are followers of God. Church can be in your house. Church can be, uh, you know, on your job. Church can be wherever Christians get together. He said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am. So watch, Jesus is going to build a church with people, called out ones. That word church is ecclesia in the Greek, and it means called out ones. So Jesus is going to make this church. And how is he going to build his church so the gates of hell won't prevail? He's going to build it upon disciples. And he calls them to himself. And he says, guys, I'm going to need your help. You are going to be my foundation for this church. And he calls them apostles. Apostles mean founding members, the first ones. So these first 12, Peter and John and Matthew, are going to be the apostles of the Christian church. They're going to be the founders, the CEOs. And then from this point on, Jesus is saying this church is going to grow. Now look at verse 14. He names them by name, Simon whom he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, 
James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was also called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. You see right here, Jesus names his 12 disciples. So here he picks out 12, which by the way, the number 12 is the number of government. In the Bible, numbers sometimes have meanings. And this uh, meaning for 12 is government. How do I know that? Because you look in the Old Testament, how many tribes of Israel were there? 12. How did Jesus divide up those 12 tribes? In the 12 states. Israel, the country, was divided up into 12 states. So you see now Jesus is picking 12 disciples. So that 12 rep represents government. And Jesus names them, so they were important to him. So Jesus didn't come to be some high and mighty pastor, just you know walking around doing miracles and have everybody carry his Bible. Jesus came to be involved in 12 people's lives. Now think about this. If Jesus could reach 12 and those 12 reach 12, that's 144. And if 144 disciples reach 12, that's 1,728. And if those 12 reach 12, that's 20,736. You know what Jesus was saying? I'm one person. And if I can just reach 12 and those 12 go out and do the same, we can change the world. That was Jesus's plan. Jesus's plan wasn't for everybody just to show up at a big church, nothing wrong with big churches, but if you're not getting discipled in that church, you're missing the whole point. If you're not a disciple, if someone doesn't know your name and someone's taking you alongside of them and teaching you the ways of the Bible, you're missing the whole point of what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to build a church with disciples. So what are you? Are you a disciple or are you just a Christian by name or a believer? Jesus wants you to be a disciple. Now let me give you four things that disciples do. Four things that you're going to do as a disciple. I know you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So if Christ wanted us to be disciples, if it's named over 259 times in the Bible, if that's what he always called his followers, his disciples, then you ought to be one. And of course, he's gonna give you the strength to do it. So let's start off with these four things. Number one, disciples deny themselves. The mark of a true disciple is that they will deny themselves. Now we know the two greatest commandments Jesus gave is to love God and to love people. Well, to first do this, you have to submit your will to Christ's will. You have to lay down your life for God's life. You have to say, I can't do it, but he can. You have to be able to reach up and then reach in and say, God changed my life. Look at Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, look who he's talking to. Look what he calls them, his disciples, his followers. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So here you see Jesus teaching the very first principle of being a disciple. He says, guys, if you wanna follow me, you gotta deny yourself. You gotta pick up your cross and you gotta follow me because if you hold on to your life, you're gonna lose it in the end. But if you lose it right now and give it up for me, you're gonna have eternal life. So number one, you have to deny yourself. I have to deny myself. Can't put our ways first anymore. Can't look to what feels good. Oh, it feels good to live this way, Pastor Joe. No, it doesn't matter anymore. The Bible says, what good would it do if you gained the whole world, if you had all the fun in the whole world and, and you lost your soul in the end? What would that profit you? It would profit you nothing. You see, Jesus came so that you would have eternal life. And eternal life today comes through discipleship. It comes through you learning how to live for God. 
I want you to think about the Christian walk as somebody who just got hired on a new job. So they show up and they're so happy to be there and they greet the boss and say, man, I'm gonna work really hard for you. I'm a good worker. And the boss says, that's why I hired you. I, I can tell you're, you're great and you're gonna do a good job. Here's your first assignment. You see all these files? I want you to take them out of this one cabinet and I want you to put them in this other cabinet alphabetically. Can you do that? And the guy says, yeah, I can do that. And I want you to think about the boss leaving now and then the man just sitting around the rest of the day not doing anything. And maybe he starts to watch TV, maybe starts to call his friends, starts texting, you know, hanging out. And here comes the boss eight hours later. And he says, okay, you got the job done? And the, and, the, and the guy says, yeah, I got my job done. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. And the man looks at the files and sees nothing done. And he says, what are you talking about? You, you, you didn't do what I asked you to do. And then the man says, oh yeah, but you know what? I didn't murder anybody. I didn't steal. I didn't hurt somebody. I didn't go out there and drink. I, I stayed here and I did a really good job at, at being a good person. You know what that boss would say, man, I didn't, just, I didn't hire you just not to kill anybody. That's great you didn't do that, but I hired you to do something. You know, Christian, Christianity is like that. Your discipleship life is like that. Jesus Christ hired you. He bought you with a price. He wants you to serve him now. It's about him. And you've got to deny yourself now. And if you would say, well, I'm going to go to heaven and receive uh, rewards and I'm going to be awarded for all that I did just because I didn't kill anybody, I didn't do anything wrong, man, I was a good person. You know what Jesus is going to say to you? You didn't do what I asked you to do. I asked you to deny yourself and live a life for me. You were supposed to live a life for Jesus. You were supposed to get out and do stuff. You were supposed to give your tithes and offerings and support your church. You were supposed to go and preach his gospel and be a witness. You were supposed to raise your family in the ways of God. You were supposed to be a servant and help others around you. You were supposed to go out and do good things. You know, you were supposed to make a difference. And if you didn't, that was because you lived for yourself. You did what felt good. So the first thing a disciple does is deny themselves. You have to deny yourself. I have to deny myself. Are you willing to do that? That's the first part. That's what those disciples had to do. Peter, James, John, that's what they had to do. They had to deny themselves. Man, they weren't out selling crack. They weren't out there, you know, doing bad things. They had jobs. They had families. They had a plan for their future. And Jesus said, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Put my plan before your plan. Put my life before your life. That's the first thing. The second thing is disciples leave all for Jesus. Now I know that we would look at the early disciples and say, man, those guys were different. These, these first disciples had to do different things than I'll ever have to do. No, that's not true. It's not like there's three roads to heaven. There's, uh, you know, there's the one that you want to take and make it however you would like to and do whatever you want. And then there's the discipleship road and that's what real disciples have to do and that's what the you know, early Christians have to do. And then there's another religious road and you can take whatever religion you want, Buddha's way, Muhammad's way. No, there's not three roads to heaven. There's not even two, there's only one road. You have to go Jesus's way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't take your own path to heaven. You have to go Jesus's way. In the same way that the disciples in the first century went, and the disciples of the 14th century and 16th century is the same way that you got to go today. You and I got to go their way. And this is what they had to do. They had to leave all behind. Luke 14, 25 through 27 says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now look right here, first of all, Jesus has crowds that follow him, 
But then he says, if you want to be a disciple, you have to do these things. You see today, people who come to our church building, we have a lot of crowds. And there's a lot of churches that have crowds. And my job as a pastor, like what Jesus, like what Jesus did, is to make sure those crowds become disciples. And that's why today I probably have a crowd watching me right now. Who knows however many thousands, millions could be watching this show. And you know what? You maybe believe in Jesus. You're willing to follow him. You're willing to uh, you know, call yourself a Christian. But this is what he says to you now. You've got to hate your mother, father, brother, wife, and children. Yes, even your own life. Right there, you're like, wow, what? Hate my life? Hate my mother? How in the world does he expect me to do that? That's crazy. This is a cult. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean I'm supposed to go home and curse out my parents? Well, obviously not, because Jesus wouldn't contradict the law of the Old Testament. It says to honor your father and your mother. So what type of hate does he talk about there? Well, there's two ways to look at this. The first way is to love person to another thing. You mean that Jesus is saying that I'm supposed to love him more than my mother and father? Yeah, that's what he's saying. So let me give you an example. Jesus is looking at you saying, if you put your mother before me, you are hating me, really, and you're loving her more than me and making her an idol. And if you allow that to happen, you're going to get punished. You're not going to be with me in eternity. But when you love and, and things life and your family, your children try to get in the way, if you don't let that happen, if you hate that idea, you're going to be my disciple. So the first definition of what hate could mean here, it could mean love less. But not only just that, it can actually mean the real word hate, but in the sense of priorities. Meaning, if anything takes your priority, you hate it other than God. Your first priority is God. Now your second priority is your family. Your third priority is your job and things that you're here to do in life. You know, now those are your priorities of life, God, family, career. But I wanna ask you a question, what's number one? If you let anything else, if you let your career get number one, God says you're to hate that. If you even let your family take over God's place in your life, you're to hate that. These are the words of Jesus. And I wanna tell you something, if I love God more than anything else, more than anything else, in comparison to that, it's hatred. Or if I hate anything that takes his way in my life, guess what? I'm gonna be the best mother, or rather best father, not a best mother. I will be the best father I can be. You know what, I'll be the best son. I'll be the best pastor. Why? Because then I have love to give other people. Because I have now chosen to serve God. God is the source of all love. God is the source of all uh, my purpose in life. I can't be a good father and a husband and a pastor without God. So I need to hate anything that tries to get in the way of that. You know what I love about my wife? Is that she lets me put God first. And so if I have to pray and get alone and read my Bible, she allows me to do that because that makes me a better husband. And I know my kids are going to understand why we can't go out and play football on Sunday mornings and go to the park because we got to go to church. Why? Because if I put God first in our family, we're going to have a blessed family and they're going to thank me for that. Just like I thank my parents for what they did for me. So in review, we've already learned, number one, disciples have to deny themselves. Number two, they have to leave all for Jesus. And now I want to ask you a question. What are you willing to leave for Jesus? Disciples left their homes and families. We have missionaries that have left their families and gone and moved to other countries, left the comforts of this world. I myself left all my friends and the lifestyle I used to live. You know, my father, he left his old life in a city here in Chicago and moved out to the suburbs and started life over again and just started a new family. You know, what are you going to leave behind? What's going to be a new life for you? 
Are you willing to leave behind maybe a job that gets in the way of you serving God? Are you willing to leave behind friends? Not everything you gotta leave behind is necessarily sin and evil. You know, when our missionaries that we support in Africa left behind uh, America and the comforts of air conditioning and you know paved roads, you know, there's nothing wrong with those things. But God said, you've got to go and follow me and I'm going over here to Africa. Yeah, still to this day, some people gotta leave their country and follow God. Do you know that there's other people in, in some countries right now that serving God means they have to get disowned by their family? In some Muslim nations, when a person says, I'm gonna be a Christian, they get disowned by their family when they become a true follower. You know, a lot of times people come to church because of what God will do for them. Well, I'm gonna get back my family. I'm gonna get a good job. I'm gonna make a lot of money. And that's why I wanna be a Christian now because I've been in jail or I've made mistakes or you know my family's on the rocks, I'm not ready to get divorced. And they think coming to Christ will give them all that. And many times God does give them that and especially when it involves sin and God takes out the sin and makes it right but what about if Christ actually cost you your family what if becoming a Christian meant your husband would leave you what if becoming a Christian meant you would get fired from your job what if becoming a Christian didn't give you money and actually actually took your money because Christianity was, was illegal well you know that's what it's like for a lot of people in China a lot of people in Iran and Egypt and different Muslim nations when they become a Christian they lose everything so I want to ask you a question. What are you a Christian for? Because if you're only a Christian for your own benefit, you're not a disciple. You're just a Christian by name. Jesus wants you to be a disciple. Disciples are willing to leave all to follow Jesus. Let's go on to number three. Disciples hold to Jesus' teachings. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. Look at John 8, 31 through 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see right here, we see again that Jesus distinguishes between those who believe and those who are really disciples. Before it was the crowds and disciples. Jesus is always making that distinguishment. A lot of times people get upset with me when they say, Pastor, why are you trying to tell me that I'm not following Christ the right way? You're nobody to judge me. And I say, man, I'm just doing what Jesus said. Jesus all the time looked at people who were following him and said, hey, are you following me for the right reasons? Have you come here just because I'm feeding you or are you willing to feed on me the bread of life? Jesus always put those things out there. Even Jesus looked at his own 12 at different times and said, guys, why are you following me? Do you want to go back home to your comforts? Do you want to go back home to the things that you enjoy? Or do you want to come out here and follow me? That may cost you to suffer every now and then. And the same thing here. Jewish people have believed in Jesus. They're following him, man. They're saying, I believe in who you are, that you're the Messiah. And now Jesus looks to him and says, if you really want to be my disciple, you got to hold to my teachings. you got to follow my commands. you got to do things my way. And so you know what? I'm going to ask you a question. You going to do things God's way? When Jesus says that adultery is sin, are you going to get married or are you going to keep shacking up? Are you going to keep looking at pornography, sir? Are you going to delete your accounts and have somebody keep you accountable and live holy? Are you going to stop cursing and start talking right? Are you going to put church above your sports? Are you going to start reading your Bible and praying? You see, here's all the teachings of Christ. It's found in this Bible. Anything that I teach you or I teach in our church, you don't think it comes from the Bible, just come see me. I'm going to show it to you. There's over 300 teachings of Christ found throughout the New Testament. If you went by and numbered each one, you're supposed to love people. What does it mean to love them? You're to help them in time of need. You're to visit them when they're sick. You're to give them clothes when they're, when they're naked. You're to bring them in when they're homeless. Love means that you're going to be patient with people. Love means that you're going to be kind. Love means that you're not going to think 
bad of people. You're going to think good. There's about just 10 right now. I could just keep going and going. Do you know that you're actually supposed to go out and preach and knock on people's doors and hand out information to your neighbors next to you? You're supposed to make a difference in people's life. You know that you're supposed to pray. Jesus talked all about prayer and fasting and getting alone with him and talking to him. And you're not just supposed to pray for your own needs. You're supposed to pray for the needs of others. Your prayers can make a difference. You see, if you're going to be a disciple, you need to hold to the teachings of Christ. And now lastly, what do we have to do if we want to do this thing right? If we want to be a disciple who really looks to Christ as our leader and our master and we're just students, you know the word discipline comes from the word disciple. Sometimes we're going to get disciplined by God and he's going to say, don't do this and do this. And, and he's going to bring pastors and other disciples into our lives to mentor us. You know what? The last thing that we're going to have to do if we really want to be a disciple is go out and make other disciples. Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Why is there only 11 disciples here? Because one quit, Judas. He quit on God. Isn't that sad? Sometimes disciples walk away from God, but Jesus still used that 11. He used those 11 to keep on going and multiplying to making more disciples. Now watch right here. Jesus speaks to those disciples, and what does he tell them to do? Go out and make other disciples. He says, what I've done with you for the last three years, now you go out and do. Is that what they did? That's exactly what they did. You read the book of Acts. The word Acts comes from Acts of the Apostles. That's why it's named that. You read the book of Acts and talk and learn about the Acts of the Apostles. It talks all about them making disciples and them training people to follow Christ. It wasn't just, hey, how many of y'all believe in Jesus? Raise your hand and pray a prayer and cry a tear and then you go into heaven. No, that's not what they taught them. They said, guys, you want to be followers of Christ, you got to do what we did. You've got to deny yourselves. You've got to leave everything behind. You've got to hold to the teachings. And now you've got to be trained to go out and make other disciples. You know, I like to look at it like this. Disciples come to Jesus, lay down their lives. That's called reaching out. Then they reach in and let God change them. Then they reach out. So they reach in, or reach up rather, then they reach in, then they reach out. You see, we have a vision in our church called Connect, Mentor, and Send. You connect to God, then you're mentored, and then you're sent out. Are you in a church like that? If you're not, I want to advise you to get out of that church and get in a church that does that. Come visit ours, because I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be held accountable to how you lived your life for Christ. Just saying, I was a Christian or I was a believer, that's not enough. Jesus said, you have to be a disciple. If you want to accept Christ in your life right now, I'm going to pray with you. Just bow your head and close your eyes and say this with me. Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Forgive me of my sins and help me to live my life for you. Today, I choose to be your disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want help on being a disciple, I'll send you a free booklet in the mail. Just call this number, go to our website. All throughout this show, you could have called at any time. We're here for you. Why? Because we want you to be a disciple. Our church believes in every believer being a disciple and every disciple making disciples. That's what we believe. Now, what do you believe? We'll see you next time. Have a great day. What do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe?
something to feel and something to 